You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. The Packers and Texans completed their two-day joint practice. And after an ugly day for the Packers offense in particular, really an ugly two days for the Packers offense, uh, I I think it's worth diving into uh, where this offense is and what what the value of these two days is were let's start with uh, a place where Aaron Rodgers and and Matt LaFleur disagree first of all uh, Matt LaFleur loved it loved having it uh, wanted to have more of it and said I want to do more of these in the future I want to do two and mentioned that there are other teams that have done that the Texans are doing multiple the Patriots are doing multiple the Rams are doing multiple and usually if the if the Patriots and the Rams are doing a thing Right now, given where those respective organizations are, uh, that's something that you should at least take into consideration when it comes to practice habits and and culture and and institutional norms. Aaron Rodgers did not love it, and he didn't love it for a couple reasons, and and they're not necessarily related to the reasons that Matt LaFleur did like it. There's no question the intensity level was ratcheted up in these couple days that the team spent going after one another, more hitting, not always uh, in a positive way. And that was something that Rogers mentioned, you know, live special teams in a practice setting in, in one of these joint practice settings, you know, he basically said, look, there's a reason that we've all but eliminated special teams in the NFL. And it's because it's the most dangerous part of the game. It's where the most injuries happen. And to do it in special teams, even in thud is kind of, it's kind of stupid, honestly. And Rodgers was concerned about player safety. He said it's something that he thinks the NFLPA is going to bring up, that they're going to address. And, you know, hopefully it is. Uh, because clearly the coaches see the value in these joint sessions. I think it's pretty clear why they would feel that way. It is a different look for your team. It allows them to go against a defense or an offense that doesn't know the things you like to do, doesn't know your tendencies. You know, obviously those things are these things are scripted, but it's still human nature and to get a different look, the, the intensity does ratchet up and the opportunity to go against guys like JJ Watt and Deshaun Watson and Deandre Hopkins. That's a unique opportunity. You know, the Packers are lucky that they have someone like Aaron Rodgers that can really test their defense. They're lucky that they have someone like Devonte Adams who can really test Jair Alexander and these cornerbacks. They're lucky they have someone like David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga who can really push Rashawn Gary and Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Kyler Fackrell. Not every team has the opportunity to do that, 
And when you see those guys every day in practice, you get to know ticks, you get to know tendencies. Now, all right, no scouting report. Zadarius Smith, go out there and try and beat Matt Khalil. Matt Khalil's not a, a world beater by any means, uh, but beating him, someone that you haven't seen, it, it speaks to you know raw power in the case of Rashawn Gary or nuance or you know any number of different things. It provides a different kind of data point in the evaluation of players. More than that, it provides a new opportunity for teaching. Okay, you see what you did here. This is an opportunity for you to grow, and and you get to do it against a different opponent. All of those things are important from a coaching perspective. From Aaron Rodgers' perspective, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was he went on this this uh, rant is the wrong way to put it, but he you know he went out of his way to qualify that he likes the scheme. He said this is in a in an ESPN piece by Rob Domofsky. He says I like the scheme. I mean, I do. I like the scheme a lot. I like that it's the stress that it puts on defenses. I like the marriage of the run game with the action, the play action. I like our concepts from both stack alignments, bunch alignments, and from wide alignments. I think it's going to be very tough to get a bead on what we're doing. We do more under center stuff, which I'm totally confident with and comfortable under center. I feel like that allows us to get some more one high stuff as many defenses basically have checks. If they're in the gun, it's too high. If you're under center, it's one high. I think it's going to allow us to open some more things up, get some one-on-one opportunities outside. Just this minor frustration is when you do so many fun schematic stuff for eight or nine days and then it gets back, kind of cut back for a couple days. But we'll be on next week probably playing and looking forward to just practices. So Roger's point here, and this is not going to make headlines on Colin Cowherd, and it's not going to be on first things first or first take or pro football talk. Aaron Rodgers is so has having so much fun playing in this new offense, so much fun doing so much fun in an offense that he himself has deemed fun, that when he doesn't get to do it, he's annoyed. Just think about that for a second. That's pretty incredible and pretty different when it comes to Aaron Rodgers' engagement in this offense and I think, frankly, enjoyment of his offense. So any questions about is he going to be a scheme fit? Is he going to adapt? Is he going to like it? Is he going to buy in? Those questions are gone. The answer is yes. He's bought in. He likes the offense and is excited to be doing fun, interesting things. The reason he didn't like the last two days is because the Packers didn't really show much because they're going to play in a preseason game. And in that preseason game, guess what? They're not going to show much. So they don't they don't have the opportunity to practice some of the cool elements some of the fun stuff, some of the package plays, that they don't want to show too much in practice. And they're not going to show too much in preseason, especially if Aaron Rodgers is not going to play. And we don't know quite yet if he is. It sounds like he's not. Uh, but he's certainly going to play next week and after that. And, you know, based on his quote, it sounds like, you know, he's not going to play. And maybe by the time that, that you listen to this, we know more. But Aaron Rodgers is is so excited about this offense that he is perturbed when they don't get the opportunity to run it. And I think, you know, he's also annoyed that the result of that was that the offense did struggle and that the guys did, you know, they were covered 
and they weren't able to move the ball as consistently as they would like to, and that's a bummer, obviously. So, you know, if you're Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, I, I don't think we should be worried, and he doesn't seem worried. He said he's not worried, but if you're Matt LaFleur, you've said, look, I want more urgency from the team. I want a little bit more energy and effort, and let's get out in and out of the huddle. Aaron Rodgers needs to buy into that. He needs to be saying, okay, coach, I'm going to set the tone for this offense, and I'm going to make sure we're getting in and out of the huddle. I'm going to make sure we have the juice. I'm going to make sure we play with the verve that you want us to play. I'm going to be the most coachable guy on the field. That's not quite, at least, seems where Aaron Rodgers is. Because he does, he said, I'm not concerned. Now, maybe that's just his way of saying, look, I got it. And, you know, this is a little bit good cop, bad cop. But you certainly don't want any sort of complacency already setting in. And, you know, there was there is a different intensity level to practice. This is also an offense that, although the offense is new, a lot of the players are not. You've got a veteran offensive line. They've been through the rigors of training camp. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, been there, done that. Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Devontae Adams. The key cogs in this offense have been through the rigors of training camp. They don't need, you know, they don't need these reps. But you want them to set the tone. You want them to be out there saying, hey, guys, hey, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, hey, Billy Turner, hey, Aaron Jones, hey, Jay Sternberger, this is how we do things around here. We're going to set the tone and set the expectations. We're going to set a standard about what it means to play like a Green Bay Packer. And that starts first and foremost with listening to the coach when he says, I want to get in and out of the huddle with more urgency. I want to get to the line with more urgency. I want to play with a little bit more energy and life. Aaron Rodgers has to be the head of the snake on that. And, you know, hopefully that's something that he and the head coach can get together on moving forward. And speaking of being the head of something, this episode is brought to you by Five Star Painting, a neighborly company. Five Star Painting is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur? If you're interested in running your own business, text the words five star, all one word, F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R to 87000 right now to learn more. With Five Star Painting, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours, and live a better quality of life running a business you can be proud of. As a Five Star Painting owner, you'll also be part of the Neighborly community of home service brands. Neighborly has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and goals through local business ownership. No one knows the home service industry better than Neighborly, and every year, nearly a million customers are proudly served by one of Neighborly's 22 award-winning brands. Whether you're thinking about starting your own business or you're already running your own paint company, text 5STAR, the word 5STAR, all one word, F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R to 87000 to learn more about how a 5STAR painting franchise can help you get to where you want to go faster than going it alone. There was some news uh, transactionally in addition to the last two days of practice. The Packers uh, waived uh, as, a, as an injury designation Jason Spriggs. And this ends a, a three-year NFL career with Green Bay. We don't know what, what is going on with him with the injury. He has a, a trap injury. And, uh, you know, I think 
it is telling. We should we should read into this move as an indication of the severity of this injury because he was clearly right now the number three offensive tackle, and that was that that is a that is an important position on this or any team, but especially given you know the history with Brian Bulaga and and the injuries that he sustained over the course of his career. So a couple things from here and that is okay they added Colts running back Keith Ford off waivers and you know that's a that that is something that mostly I think relates to the fact that the Packers running back room right now is decimated by injuries Uh, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones both out Trey Carson had some back spasms so they're down to not their fourth running back because I think Dexter Williams was was probably RB3 but at, at at best but at worst RB4 um, and then Corey Grant and and Darren Hall. And so these are three new players to the Packers, one new to the NFL entirely, and that throws the running back room in flux. You need bodies in there. So I don't think this should be taken to think that, okay, the Packers are done with their offensive line retooling and they're comfortable with the guys that they have. On the other hand, Cole Madison played tackle at Washington State. Uh, Elton Jenkins, you know, we, we talked on this podcast during his rookie orientation about how Elton Jenkins could probably play tackle in a pinch if he needed to. Billy Turner could very well be the future of the Packers at right tackle. That's at least three guys who could play tackle. Lane Taylor could play tackle in a pinch. Uh, Justin McCray has had to play tackle. Uh, Lucas Patrick maybe even, probably not, but he's, he's the center and a guard. They have to like their their versatility on the offensive line if guys like DeBeer have to play they're really in trouble so uh, you know I, I think Green Bay could be in the trade market I think they could be in the the waiver wire market I think they could be looking you know when when final cuts come around if there are some some veteran guys who become available I think Green Bay will be interested in that and this is a place that Brian Gutekinds has shown a willingness to be interested in a way that Ted Thompson never was. And that that allows him a little bit more flexibility in trying to fill these holes uh, as they come up. I don't think Jason Spriggs had a great career by by any means, Uh, but he was set to have an important role on this team as the swing tackle. Could they find a better player to fill that role? Yeah, probably. Now, there is also a discussion to be had about the, the miss that is Jason Spriggs now. And obviously the injury is is a factor here, but let's be honest, this was not a player who had played up to his draft pedigree. The Packers traded up to get him in the second round, and he just never, never developed. Outstanding physical tools, incredible athlete, but his lateral movement was bad. Uh, he never developed that that sort of nasty streak that you need. And never really, you know, got got the strength that he needed to be the player that the Packers wanted him to be in the NFL. You look at that 2016 draft, though, and yeah, okay, the second round pick is, you know, okay, a bust. If we're gonna if we're gonna say it, a bust. But Kenny Clark is a potential All Pro player, and Dean Lowry and Blake Martinez are legit, solid starters. And Kyler Fackerel, you know, maybe not a starter, but a solid rotation level pass rusher. You have a draft where you have four players like that. 
You get a foundational defensive piece with elite level talent, two solid starters, and a solid rotational player. That's a really good draft. I mean, Packer fans have been spoiled, I think, with with some of these drafts where Green Bay comes out and they get two, three really, really good players. You know, you look at the Saints and they come out and they, you know, they have a, a draft where they have multiple Pro Bowlers, the Seahawks in their draft. That kind of stuff just doesn't really, I mean, that is aberrational. It's the exception that proves the rule. Uh, they're, they're, they stand out so much because they don't happen often. The 2016 draft is going to go down as a very good one for Ted Thompson. Trevor Davis was the best punt returner on this team basically since he was drafted. So, you know, all those players have provided value. The fact that they have not been able to, to derive any value or any significant value out of Jason Spriggs is surely uh, an indictment of that selection. But it's not an indictment of that draft as a whole or as uh, of Ted Thompson. So, there, I mean, there are plenty of things that we can criticize about the way that, that he went about building this team. Uh, and the Jason Spriggs pick is going to be one of them. But that draft as a whole, I mean, we have to remember that these are all lottery tickets. They're all swings. And to pick in the same vein with Rashawn Gary, right? Jason Spriggs is a premium position player with outstanding physical tools and big-time, big-conference pedigree. You take home run swings on those guys. And sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. The Rashawn Gary pick right now looks awesome. It looks awesome. Rashawn Gary has been one of the best Packers in practice full stop since April. He's been incredible. He's been really, really good. And and I was on this show wondering openly if they made a mistake with this pick. But I also said that it was a home run swing and given the position, given the athletic ability, given the pedigree, it is a swing worth taking. And in in the case of Rashawn Gary, I felt like it had a very high floor. He's shown the upside that, you know, we didn't know that he could harness for sure, and we still don't know. We've got to see him in pads. We've got to see him in 11-on-11 in live settings a little bit more before we, you know, can can make any sort of even snap judgments. But the early returns are really good in ways that they weren't for Jason Spriggs. You know, the, the cynical fan will say, well, you know, shouldn't a first-round pick look good? Yeah, but plenty of them don't. More than half of first-round picks do not work out. So to get one that is even just a solid to good player, you're doing well. Uh, Jason Spriggs was not that. And an injury ultimately robbed him of the opportunity to become that in Green Bay. Maybe he can somewhere else. I'm dubious, but we've seen stranger things happen in the NFL. That's for sure. I want to end with this question that I got on Twitter from Nathan Merckx. Merkies, Merks, Merk, Merkez. Um, <laughs> he says, hey, Peter, avid listener of the podcast question. I follow a majority of the Packer writers on Twitter, and one name I don't think I've heard once in either OTAs or minicamps is Preston Smith. At this point, do you think that's a, con- a, a concern? Thanks. Uh, no, I don't. Not a concern. Uh, one of the reasons why you haven't heard his name is because Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary have sucked all of the oxygen out of the room. But the other reason is, for the same reason you haven't heard a lot about Adrian Amos. Now, he had a pick yesterday. Uh, much of the chagrin of Bears fans everywhere who were, oh, he hasn't had a pick yet. That interception can't make big plays. 
Um, that's my Bears voice, my Bears fan voice. Um, sorry to the one Bears fan who sometimes listens to the show, but I'm not sorry. Uh, <laughs> Preston Smith is a solid player. And he's a player who is going to do his job consistently and he's going to be a good run defender and a solid pass rusher. And that's what they're paying him to be. The number is big, but part of that is unrestricted free agency inflates those numbers. And every time a contract is signed, uh, especially in free agency, it is, it is inflated by the fact that it is the newest contract. Don't hold that against Preston Smith. Preston Smith is still an ascending player. He is still someone who's learning the scheme. He is also someone who has not been 100% healthy um, over the last few days at the very least. And so he's also being overshadowed by two other players who have really shown out. And again, you you can suck up the oxygen. You know, when you're scrolling through Twitter or you're reading articles or you're listening to this podcast... The high points are what we hit. You know, we haven't talked about Adrian Amos on this show that much, but just not talking about him is a good sign for him, really. I mean, how many times have I said the reason it's called a safety is because it is a their last line of defense players. If you don't talk about your safeties, you're fine at safety. Now, we've, we have talked about Darnell Savage. Part of it is because he is new in a way that Amos isn't in that he is a, a, a draft pick who has this supreme athletic ability, playmaking ability, and Adrian Amos doesn't have that. Now, he's a good enough athlete. He is assignment sure. He is sort of the, the Preston Smith of the secondary. And I said this on Twitter, you know, uh, Preston Smith is going to be the kind of guy who is good for Green Bay for the next three to four years, but doesn't put up huge sack numbers and Packer fans are going to complain that he doesn't put up huge sack numbers. Now, you know, that was a little bit tongue in cheek, but they won't complain about Preston Smith not putting sack numbers, or at least they, I hope they won't if Rashawn Gary and, and Zadarius Smith turn out to be really good and they're doing the thing with the pass rush. Now, there may be a, a question about cost, but... Preston Smith was brought in to right the ship at outside linebacker, to bring stability, to bring solid play. There's a reason Zadarius Smith got paid more money and and a not insignificant amount more than Preston Smith. The Packers view him as a better pass rusher. And he has been a better pass rusher by a lot. Zadarius Smith has been a beast in camp against really good offensive linemen and continued to be a beast against some not good offensive linemen against Houston. He's He is primed for a breakout season, a breakout, breakout season. I said this on Twitter. If you're if I'm going to pick one guy who I think is going to break out in 28, 2019, what year is it? What year is it, guys? Jeez, oh. Uh, if I'm going to pick one Packer, man. Oh, it's, it's August. Uh, if I'm going to pick one Packer, to break out in 2019, which is the year I think it is, in the year of our Lord 2019, it is Zadarius Smith. I know that number shocked a lot of people, but damn, he's been so good, so good, so consistent, and the fact that he's mentoring guys like Rashawn Gary, I mean, it's really hard not to be excited about what he can bring to this defense, what he can bring to this culture, what he can bring 
to this team. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow and we will, there is an off day Wednesday, which is today, and the game is Thursday. So we will, uh, we will look forward to the game. Um, you know, there, there's some other things that we can talk about. Uh, so, and we're also going to have a show Friday to talk about the game and what happened. So we're not going to necessarily be on a five show a week schedule from here on out, but uh, we might be. And that'll be all depending on, on what we need to cover and what we need to get to. So uh, the best way to make sure you're never missing a show, number one, is subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. There are so many great apps out there. Go find one you like and go find us. We're on Bluetooth connected devices, your Google Home, your Amazon device, your Bluetooth device in your car. Just tell them to play Locked On Packers. And hey, well, guess what? Modern tech, they will. The other way to make sure you're never missing a show is following the podcast on Twitter, at Locked on Packers. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, at Peter underscore Bukowski. I always tweet out the podcast. I answer questions on there. Obviously, my analysis goes there as well. So uh, if you like the show, you'll probably like the Twitter feed, but, you know, maybe not. <laughs> maybe 25 minutes a day is enough of, of me for you. I, I Listen, I totally understand that. It would be 25 minutes a day of me is already too much for me. So I understand if you feel that way. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, I have some good questions on there. So we're going to get to those. Maybe tomorrow is a good time for some of them as we look forward to the first preseason game. So you can hit me up there on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Thank you.